Here we are once again. Welcome. And I hope your Saturday is off to a great start. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you get your beverage, whatever that beverage is. We're going to put on the brakes, grab a cup of coffee or whatever it might be that you want to drink this morning and join the conversation because it's time once again for Coffee Breaks with Steve. See, already I'm trying to keep all the things juggled and keep the coffee in place. A lot of people on here already. All right. Thank you for being on here. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Kathy McCormick, Jay, Rick, Kathy Garlic, Jerry. I saw some other people when I was glancing at the... Um, at the stream here who haven't necessarily said hi yet. If you are on here, make sure you say hi and join the conversation. I think Nick Grow is on here. Um, Carla Venturi is on here. People are on here. I'm going to try to catch you all and say hello. But anyway, welcome. Thanks for being here. It is Saturday, January 14th, 2023. I still have not messed up, said the wrong year yet. It will happen at some point, because I do really well in the first few weeks. I'm really conscious of the change in the year. And then something happens and my brain tries to regress and go back to the previous. We all do that, right? Don't you find that you at some point write somewhere or say in some setting the previous year and you go, wait, we're already like a month and a half into this. Why am I doing that? It happens. All right. Listen, it's uh, it's been another amazing week. We're all back together here at our giant virtual coffee table. I hope you've had a good week. I hope wherever you're at, the weather and everything else is not treating you too bad. We got weird weather still all around the region. It's actually been fairly mild uh, in Spokane this last week. We did have, we've had snow, we've had freezing rain. We've had a variety of things. And I think a few days ago, we did have just a little bit of snowfall in the morning. And then it then it kind of cleared up and it's, it hasn't been too bad to get out and about. But uh, what's it like where you, oh, hey, Shalane's on here. Good morning, Shalane. Um, Kathy Garlic, I occasionally revert to the 1900s. Yeah, I know that feeling. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting time just kind of getting into the flow of things, trying to get out of the holidays and get back into normal routines is always kind of an interesting thing. We had our house, this is our first Christmas, our first year in our new house in Spokane. And Carol had the house decorated just beautifully throughout the holidays. And then over this last week or so, I started taking things down and just could not bring herself uh, everything else was put away and could not bring herself to take down the Christmas tree and really tried to justify that. And I have no problem with it. I I do Christmas year round if it came to that. But I'm just trying to get back to the norm, get back to what what it looks like when it's not Christmas. But hey, we'll get there. It's fine. Um, good. Let's see, see what everybody's doing. If I have not said hello to you yet, say hi in the chat again. If you've already said it, forgive me if I didn't recognize you, but say hi again so I know you're here. When we get into our conversation, make sure you're part of that conversation because uh, that's, uh, that's part of the fun. All right. Listen, I want to get to some special days and, uh, and share what, uh, 
well, just what the special days are, I guess. We have some special days for this week and uh, yeah, trying something new here. Got some visuals to go with them for you. But today, January 14th, um, which is uh, today, is dress up your pet day. How many of you, first of all, have pets? Second of all, how many of you were into doing that? And actually have outfits. It might be, I mean, you know, it could be costume outfits. Some people, it's just they need for their pets. If they're taking them outside in colder weather, you have jackets or sweaters you put on your pets that are just for practical reason. Little booties sometimes, particularly, you know, that's a very good thing for uh, taking your dog for a walk in, in really hot weather when the sidewalk might be very hot. But there are also trends to dress the pets up in costumes for things like Halloween. How many of you actually dress your pets up either with practical attire or with costumes? Um, yes, we actually had years and years ago, we had a cat. It was shortly after we got married. Um, named Kirby. Kirby was an amazing cat. His personality was was unique. But we got him a couple of t-shirts, I think at Christmas time one year. And they were actually shirts, t-shirts that were designed for dogs. But we found ones that, you know, were generic enough they fit for cats. One of them said four on the floor and one of them said killer. And we put them on the cat and you could just see he, he would just look at us and just you could just see how angry he was. And then he'd disappear out of the room and come back a few minutes later without the shirt on. And we'd have to go looking for the shirt. And for the longest time, we couldn't figure out, we knew that he'd gone back into our bedroom to take them off and we could, we'd look around the bedroom and couldn't find them. We eventually discovered that what he was, had done was he got under the bed, under the box spring, you know, there's that kind of gauze covering on the bottom of box springs. He had, with his claws, ripped that open and was able to get to stick things that he wanted to hide, including some of his toys up in there. You'd see him sagging down in that, in that gauze. We found his t-shirts up there, but anyway, yeah. Today is dress up your pet day. Tomorrow is national bagel day. Are you a bagel person? If so, do you like plain bagels? Do you like the flavored bagels that, that have different ingredients in them? And then when you eat a bagel, what do you put on it? Are you a bagel and cream cheese person? Curious about that. Um, also, January 15th, tomorrow, is National Hat Day. Uh, you know, I'm not specifically a hat person. I have some hats. And when I wear them, Carol always says, oh, you look good in that hat. I, I'm just not a hat person on a regular basis. Some people wear hats all the time. I know I've got some family members and friends on here who are hat people. Well, Monday is your day. Mon no, I'm sorry. Sunday is your day. Tomorrow is your day. You can wear a hat. If you go to church, guys, you're supposed to take the hat off when you walk in the door of the church. Women can wear a hat inside the door of the church. Men, you're not supposed to. But tomorrow is hat day. If uh, all you're doing is going to be following sports and you've got the hat of your favorite team that you're going to be wearing, apparently that's okay too. Um, yeah. What kind of hat do you like? If you're a hat person, is it a baseball cap? Is it a fedora? Look at all the different hats that are displayed on this little graphic here. Just a lot of different hats out there. What is your favorite? What is your go-to? Do you have a favorite hat that you wear of the hats that you own? Monday, January 16th, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. His birthday was actually on the 15th, um, officially. That's when he was born. Uh, but I think it was 1929. Somebody can look that up and tell me if I'm right or wrong about Martin Luther King Jr.'s actual birth date. But it, when it became part of the national holiday system that are on, you know, they put them on the Mondays to create the long weekends. It's now always on the third Monday in January, Martin Luther King Jr. birthday or Martin Luther or MLK day, you sometimes hear it called. 
the 16th is also, that's also Monday, is Appreciate a Dragon Day. I'm not sure exactly how you do that. I guess if you have a pet dragon, first of all, you can dress it up today. And then on Monday, you can appreciate it. I'm not sure exactly how we appreciate dragons, but hey, if you've got some ideas for that, feel free to share them in the chat. And then Tuesday, you know, doesn't take long, does it? Uh, we set our New Year's resolutions, and then within a couple of weeks, we're ditching them. So January 17th is Ditch New Year's Resolution Day. It's an actual day on somebody's calendar somewhere. It's also Kid Inventors Day, which I think is interesting. I was actually going to look up, and I'll admit I, I failed to do so. Um, what if there were any inventions listed that were specifically created by kids? I know there must be. But on uh, Tuesday is the day that we get to acknowledge and celebrate kid inventors and their inventions, apparently. So if you run across any, share those in the chat as well. January 18th is Thesaurus Day. I always wonder, uh, what are the synonyms for thesaurus? Uh, I think that just that's an interesting thing in and of itself. So that's why this graphic is up there. There are some actual synonyms for the word thesaurus. I remember as a kid wondering if uh, uh, glancing the first time, I think as a young child, I glanced on our bookshelf at Roger's Thesaurus and I thought it was a book about a dinosaur. I thought it was a book called Roger's Stegosaurus or something, but um, that's not what a thesaurus is, although that would have been a great name for a dinosaur. January 18th is Winnie the Pooh Day, I believe. And again, I, I was delinquent in double checking this, that that is A.A. A. Milne's birthday, the, the um, birthday of the author of Winnie the Pooh. It might also be when his first book was published. So if you have a chance to look that up, do so. But that's January 18th. You, are you a Winnie the Pooh fan? Who doesn't love Winnie the Pooh, right? You got to love Winnie the Pooh, whether it's the original. And there are differences in the artistic representations. You go back to the original A.A. Milne, that looks a little bit different from this, which is the Disney representation. But you got to love Winnie the Pooh. You just do. Uh, the 19th, National Popcorn Day. Are you a popcorn fan? Popcorn with movies, popcorn as a snack when you're watching movies at home or just sitting around the house. And if so, how do you like your popcorn served? Are you plain? Are you a well-salted, well-buttered? Do you like it caramel popcorn or cheese popcorn? There are a variety of ways that popcorn comes. You get these gift tins, big gift tins that sometimes have different flavors. What is your go-to on popcorn? Some people are, oh, and also, are you, uh, you know, still like to put it, in an actual popcorn maker, are you a microwave popcorn person? Always like to hear how people like to do these things. It's kind of fun. Uh, the 20th, National Cheese Lover Day. Now, man, cheese, that's another one that's kind of like, well, yeah, I'm a cheese lover, but I only like particular kinds of cheese or different, different kinds of cheese, depending on how you're eating it, right? Like if you're having your grilled cheese sandwich, are you an American cheese or cheddar cheese person? Medium cheddar, sharp cheddar. Everybody's got their personal tastes when it comes to these things. Do you put, what, what are the recipes? What are your favorite recipes with cheese? Or are you just one of those people sneaks to the fridge, cuts off a slice of cheese and just munches on it? That can be fun too. But January 20th is National Cheese Lover Day. So if you're a lover of cheese, that's your day. Also on January 20th, World Penguin Day, it's also referred to depending on where you see it, World Penguin Day or uh, Penguin Awareness Day. So be aware of penguins. I always wonder if that means like you're supposed to be looking for those penguin crossing signs on the road, penguin awareness. But World Penguin Day, I can understand that that's, you know, there are some, spe there are a number of species of, of penguins. 
you know, I don't, we think about penguins and you have a certain image like this image, but there are all kinds of penguins and they live in, in a variety of places around the world. And some of the uh, penguin species are endangered or, you know, at least um, there's another word for it. And I can't remember right now, if you're not endangered, it's still that they're on the critical species list. So we do need to be aware of them and we do need to find ways to protect Happy birthday this week. Lisa Steele, who is a friend of Coffee Breaks with Steve, has appeared on here as a guest a couple of times. We'll be back later this year. Again, Lisa's celebrating a birthday this week on the 16th. So happy birthday, Lisa. And then Evan Fort uh, celebrating a birthday on January 18th. I know he's not on here right now, but Carla, would you pass that along that we said happy birthday to Evan on Coffee Breaks with Steve? And, uh, and then finally, do you have a special day this week? If so, let us know in the chat. Is it? Is it? Do you have a birthday coming up that we missed? Do you have an anniversary? Do you have some other special day that is a part of your family celebration coming up this week? We want to know uh, about that. We want to celebrate with you. And if you have a special day coming up sometime later in the month of January, or maybe even into February, you can let us know. You can email me at, at cbwsteve at comcast.net to let me know about that so we make sure we get it on our calendar and include it in what we are doing. <sighs> Deep breath here because I think I've covered it all. I, I'm pretty sure I've covered it all. Um, but um, we want to get to the topic today because this is one I've been looking forward to since the last time we had my guest on the show. And uh, my guest this week is someone who uh, I find this entire profession fascinating, uh, depending on where, what company and what setting it's in. It can be HR, it can be recruitment, it can be talent acquisition, which is the title that, that my guest uh, has. And um, Addie Grow was on here a few months ago and really shared some fantastic information about applying for jobs, resumes, using LinkedIn and a variety of other resources. And at the time we said, love to have you come back and talk about the interview process. And I'm going to introduce Addie here in a moment, but I, I want to uh, talk just a little bit about her background and why I think that she brings a special perspective. She's a graduate of Whitworth University and has a Master of Arts from Western Washington University in English Studies. Prior to her current role in talent acquisition, Addie worked for almost 10 years at Whitworth University as a lecturer and a career advisor. She enjoys helping friends and family with their job searches in her spare time. I'm not sure when she gets the spare time, but she apparently does, and I know people uh, who she has specifically helped, and it's made a huge difference in their career search. And she says that updating a resume for someone she cares about is one of the most rewarding and relaxing ways to spend an evening. Isn't that a great perspective? Addie's husband is both a busy gigging musician and full-time stay-at-home parent who takes care of their two boys, while Addie works at a job that she loves. So uh, I want to just ask you to join me in welcoming my special guest, return guest, Addie Grow. Addie, welcome back to Coffee Breaks with Steve. Good morning, Steve. How's it going? It's going, it's going all right. And I uh, hope it's going well with you and your family. And, um, you know, this, this whole idea of trying to interview for jobs. I can remember once again, I think we talked about my processes back in the days when you used to have to fight dinosaurs to get to a job interview um, because I'm old. But 
it used to be that you went in, you interviewed, maybe you interviewed with more than one person, but very often the process back in the day was you submitted a resume or an application and you got a call says, why don't you come in and talk? And you met with typically just met with the hiring manager. And sometimes they'd make a, an offer on the spot. Sometimes you go home and a few hours later, or a day or so later, you get a phone call and that was it. And the process of interviewing seems to have evolved naturally in many ways. And certainly COVID in the last few years changed it even more. We see a lot more interviewing taking place online, people, right? And and But the whole complexity of the interview process in terms of where it starts, who all gets involved and where it goes, how have you seen it change and in, in terms of both the process itself and how interviewees need to prepare for that process. Yeah, absolutely. And I can I can totally relate. One of the jobs I applied for, you know, a little over 10 years ago, uh, I didn't really apply officially even, right? It was just through a connection. And then I went in and interviewed with the team, you know, right away. And so there was a there was a weird expedience to the process. There was a nice, you know, connection, get you in, didn't even have to apply online. I just brought a resume with me for day of, um, yeah. just different now. And so as we've moved to that applicant tracking system, a lot of online applications, um, we're seeing such a rise in the number of applicants that we're sifting through or processing or looking at that often the first step is a phone screen, right? right. So a phone interview. And I, I think I had like, I had two, two big ones last week, but then a bunch of other ones, you know, scattered throughout. And so that's what I'm doing as the talent acquisition advisor is that first layer of screening. I'm analyzing candidates and applicants through an online system. Um, and so that's your first step is a phone interview often. Right. And those can right. be really challenging in some, in some ways because you don't have a face-to-face -face person to relate to, you might be caught off guard when they call you or they might schedule something and you have to find a way to fit in a phone conversation in the middle of a workday if you're already mm -hmm. in a different job. So there are layers of, of just added, you know, it can be hard to pursue jobs when that's the first step. And then at the second step, if you've gone through that phone screen and that talent acquisition advisor or the HR recruiter moves you forward to go interview with the HR team, you might go into the office or you might have a virtual interview um, and sometimes, even if you're local to the area, they might still want you to do a virtual interview because other candidates have to do it virtually. And so they're trying to keep an even playing field, right? Not give anyone that in-person advantage, try to keep it equal across the board. Um, and so it's really difficult. I think it's hard too, um, and a lot of recruiters know this, that having access to virtual interviewing space Right. Like having a nicer camera, having good audio, yeah. um, not having to do the interview from your phone. Right. Sometimes there's you know, that's not an equal opportunity out there. And so I think a lot of recruiters are pretty accommodating, understanding that not everyone has a you know, I, I borrowed a camera from Nick today for this. Not everyone <laughs> has a, a nice camera or great audio setups or multiple screens to use during an interview. And so I think there, there's a lot of empathy and understanding that has to go into it now since we're doing it so differently. And I mean, and, and differently, even in terms of the types of, I guess the types of interactions and conversation that often takes place in the interview, the types of questions that are asked. I don't know. I mean, 
you know, there have always been certain questions that you half expect are going to be part of an interview, right? That are sort of those standard questions. There have always been certain ones that are taboo, either they're just not appropriate or in some cases they're illegal and you know you're not going to encounter those. But there seems to be a, a greater trend, at least in recent years, toward questions that are more designed to kind of get to not just qualifications and skill sets, but a lot more just trying to delve into who the person is and how they might fit with your organization culturally, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And I think that's really important because um, one, it's a proactive retention move, right? We want to find out if someone's actually going to be happy in this role. You may have all of the qualifications on paper, but if you're not going to like the environment or the way that the team works, you're not going to be happy in your role. And there are lots of jobs out there. And so you're not going to stay in a role that makes you unhappy. And so we might ask questions, um, you know, what's your ideal balance between independent work and group work? We're trying to figure out if that's going to make you happy as joining this team. We might be asking when you have an awesome day at work, what was that day like? trying to find out what makes for an awesome day for you. Uh, Which role do you find yourself uh, in when you're on a team project or group project? Or, you know, so those kinds of questions are getting at two things. One, are you going to fit with this? Are you going to like the structure that we have, the rhythm that we have? Or two, do you have enough self-awareness that you can identify the things that make you successful at work and that we could work with those, right? You know, even if someone doesn't necessarily have the exact style that you might be looking for, if they have enough self-awareness to say, actually, I need a little time on my own to think and plan and prepare before I jump right into a group project. It's like, oh, that's reasonable. That's totally fine. At least you have the self-awareness to say that versus saying, I don't really like diving into group work. That might be a little scary for an employer to hear. But if you say, I've learned this about myself and here's how I show up best in a role. As long as I can do that, I'm good. The employers can work with that. So I think it's really just trying to figure out, will you be happy in this style, in this place? Um, It's not a knockout question. It's a, can we work with you? And are you going to find satisfaction in the way that we work? And, you know, that brings up another point because I, I can remember, I think I only remember one interview in my life where I felt like the two people in the room were, were, I don't know if it was deliberate or if it was just this guy had an attitude, but there was almost a good cop, bad cop approach to the interview. Wow. And uh, and I, the part of me thought this guy is just having a bad day. But I mean, he was saying things during the interview like, I'm looking at your resume and it doesn't look to me like you have the right qualifications for what we're hiring for. And, you know, I'm thinking, then why did you invite me to show up? You know, but I didn't know if part of that was a test to see how I would react to that, if that was deliberate. Um, But I remember thinking at the time, you know, if they did offer me a job, this is not a place I'd want to work because it didn't feel like there was a culture of support. There was a positive culture in the in the company. And I think a lot of people still feel like there's a lot of. I guess there's there's some people have had experiences and other situations where maybe they've heard stories or there are urban legends about interviews that just were bad interviews, partially because they felt like they were being put in a place where it was almost a, they were almost being given the third degree or that there were questions. I think there's still a lot of fear that I'm going to go in there and they're going to be asking me questions that are kind of trick questions. And if I don't answer exactly right, they're going to go. And you hear stories about that, about some companies and some cultures where they ask you question a question that 
depending on how you answer, it's like, I don't want to hire this person because they didn't give the pat answer. Is it fair to say, and I'd like you to kind of expound on that whole thing, but fair to say that in reality, in probably 99.999% of the interview situations, the goal of the interviewers at every level is not to try to trip you up. They want to see you succeed because they're looking to hire the right person. They want, they want to give you every opportunity to present yourself as the right. You've gotten past the initial phase. They don't want to waste their time or yours by doing stupid things that aren't going to lead to the possibility of, of connecting that right person to the job, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I would say 99.9% .9 of you know folks like me, recruiters in this space, we are cheering for candidates we move forward, right? I want my candidates to shine. Um, I want them to like really show up in front of the hiring manager like, like the boss that I think they are because I screened them and I wouldn't have moved someone forward if I didn't think they weren't qualified or if they, you know, they couldn't pull off the job. I think when you might hear, um, you know, what you suspect is a trick question, there, it's probably two things. One, they might not have had a great screening so they're getting you through and now they really have to test, right? If they ask a really specialized, specific, technical question with lots of jargony stuff, that's either something that's essential to the job that they couldn't discern from your resume, right? That they need to see if you actually know that thing. Or if someone's asking a really specialized, technical, almost impossible to answer question, they're probably just trying to figure out how you get through difficult situations or how right. you handle uh you know, and I think there's a nicer way to say it than that interviewer said to you. Right? <laughs> you don't really belong here. Tell me why you belong here. That's, that's not really the attitude I would use. But there are questions where you just want to hear someone talk through their thought process or you want to hear them say, wow, gosh, I've never been in that situation or I'm not familiar with that particular platform. But here's how I would get started if I were faced yeah. with something that I didn't know how to solve. And they just want to hear your problem solving approach. So, you know, don't let it, don't let it panic you. Don't let your heart seize up in that moment where you freeze. Sometimes they're just trying to hear, how do you tackle, you know, a situation that you've never been in before? Or how do you solve a problem that you don't readily know how to solve? You know, what is your thinking process? Because at work, we're tackling things we've never solved before right. all the time. What are the most important things from your perspective, the most important things an applicant can do to prepare for an interview and the most important things they should be doing during the interview? Yeah. So the first part in preparation, I knew a guy who he really wanted a job with Google and he literally, by the time he had finished preparing for his interview, he had like 25 to 30 pages of notes, thoughts, ideas, <laughs> things that he just wanted to write down so that he retained the information, right? Questions he had, he had prepared so much that, I mean, of course he got the job, but that's one level. I don't think you have to go that far, but you should be really familiar with the organization. And I think if you want to impress the hiring team, you should have bigger picture thoughts, questions, ideas about the industry. Hey, I've been paying attention to the industry. It's moving in this direction. What is your organization thinking about? Wow. Right. Those are great, easy questions if you've actually done the research and you know what you're talking about. And it shows curiosity, hunger mm -hmm. for the field. In the interview, I think communication is probably one of the things I see folks struggle with the most. And I would say take a proactive approach and try to turn an interview, a Q&A into a conversation. Yeah. It's super easy to do if you just practice a few of those 
um, interactive questions back. Say, hey, Steve, uh, do you mean this by that question? Or could you give me a little more context around that question, right? It, it really throws it back at them. It shows that you're tracking and it also helps you answer the question with what they're trying to get after rather than wasting time, like mumbling or meandering through an answer to a question that you didn't fully understand. And then I think the other part is to ask, Steve, did I answer that question fully enough for you? And they're like, yep, you're good to go. Great. It shows an awareness of, hey, I've talked for a long time. Maybe I should pause and check in with my interviewers because they're right. here too. Um, and then it also helps you stay on track or it lets the interviewer dig deeper into something that they found intriguing. So, I, yeah. yeah, I also see with that, as you talk about that, and, and I've been on both sides. I, I have interviewed for jobs and I've been the interviewee. And I found that lots of times when you can take it to that level, it moves from being a job interview feel to more of I'm already here and this is us interacting as we would on a daily basis. And it, it can make a huge difference in terms of both the conscious and the subconscious subliminal way that that the potential employer is looking at an applicant at that moment. Seeing oh, them almost as a part of the team right then. Yep. They're already thinking like, okay, what project can we give this guy? Um, and that's a good spot to get the interview panel in is like, wow, we could, we could partner with this person. I can imagine having lunch with this person in between working on a project. So you just want to, it's hard, right? Because you have to control your nerves and you have to control anxiety and you're thinking you're on, right? It yeah. is exhausting. But if you can manage to turn it into a conversation, it's really helpful. And I've always found that it actually alleviates some of the pressure because then those interviewers are doing a little bit more talking, right? If you're yeah. throwing it back at them, asking for clarification, digging deeper into what they've talked about or they've mentioned, um, it really takes the pressure off of you, the interviewee, to be talking that whole time. Yeah. Um, Rick just put something in there and it leads to the next question I was going to ask you. He made a comment. He said, I had a guy come in for me uh, to interview for a job opening. He was wearing sweats and a T-shirt and permeated the entire office with the smell of tobacco and alcohol. He didn't get the job. Uh, what are and, and I I've had a couple of experiences like that in interviewing people where they came in and they interviewed and you just thought, wow, you know, they just they overall presentation or the way that they answered questions. I remember this one guy; he was just a disaster, and I don't think he ever quite realized it. Yeah. Uh, during so, the interview, but he, he even one of the questions was, if we talk to your some of your coworkers from your last job, what would they? What would they say? What would they have to say about you? And and he said, well, someone would probably say that I have a hard time controlling my anger. And I thought, really, you're going to say that in the job interview? Um, but, you know, we've all seen those kind of horror story things where somebody comes in just going, I, I'm not sure that they were really thinking about what they were doing. What are the biggest mistakes that you've seen applicants make in in, in during the interview? Yeah, I think obviously a lack of self-awareness in your, I mean, control what you can. We're not going to discriminate against a lot of things, right? There are, we have awareness that we can't discriminate against economic status. And if that prohibits certain right. you know, outfit options that someone has, that's, we're not going to do those that's kind right. of illegal things, right? But there's a general respect that you show for an office or for the people around you. Um, and some outfits are more appropriate than others. And I always let, if an interviewee is going to come to my office, I let them know that I'll be in jeans and a blouse. Right. right? That's so fair. I, 
I'm giving them forward, you know, you don't have to wear a three piece suit. Um, but you know, you got to show up a little bit, show up in the way that you would show up every day in that job. And if you are applying for a bank, you're probably not going to show up in sweats. Right. Um, right. And obviously tobacco and alcohol, if your aroma is going to interfere with the comfort of your office mates, that's probably not a great thing. Um, but I think, you know, it's not illegal to do those things. It's just a level, right? You have to sort of balance. Is this a lack of self-awareness that's going to be problematic? Does it show through in the way they communicate? Um, it's probably just not a great first impression. Recruiters are going to try to lock in their, you know, equal opportunity mindset for this. But at the same time, you're thinking it gives you red flags and then you start looking for things. If you haven't shown up with respect for the opportunity. You know, there's also I, talking about, we talked a little bit before about there are certain things that an interviewer cannot ask either ethically, legally, but there have been situations I'm aware of where the person being interviewed throws something out there about their age, about their beliefs, about something else that, you know, you, you're not going to discriminate, but now they have, they've made that information available without being asked. And it can still influence, it can still bias an interviewer, even if they can't legally go there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're not going to legally go there, right? If I hear something, I'm not going to write it down and nope. forward it in my notes to the hiring team right. um, because we're going to protect, you know, candidates from, and, and the organization too, for any information that's in that discriminatory category. And so yeah. that's, I mean, that's marital status, children child care, right? I'm not going to ask about those things. Oh, you have two kids. Who takes care of the kids? Well, you're yeah. not going to go there, right? Even those things are are not a space that we're going to move into. I would never write that down. I would never take that into consideration. Religion, race and color, age. I'm not going to ask you your age. Um, economic status, that's what I was talking about earlier. Medical conditions, physical disabilities, height and weight, sex, gender, like arrest, like we're not going to dig deep into those things because we're going to give fair and equal opportunity. And if you do let that information slip, um, someone who's aware of the, you know, the need for caution around that is going to try to move past it, right? Move right past it, not take it into consideration. But yeah, you don't need to bring up any of that stuff. Um, we don't need to know. We don't need to know about your prior salary history. Um, don't, don't influence anything moving forward. Um, just speak to the your expectations and your hopes moving forward. You know, you, you we were talking a few minutes ago about that way to frame some of the interview so it's more of a discussion and talked a little bit about asking questions back. And that's an important part of the interview is for the interviewee to be prepared to ask relevant questions. What are what types of questions should an interviewee be asking? And at what stages and what would really be considered kind of inappropriate or off limits to be asking the interviewer, particularly what I think, particularly once you get to the point of talking to the hiring manager. I mean, I think there's probably some if you're talking to a headhunter or exterior recruiter that you can ask a few more questions uh -huh. just to kind of get a feel for the company they're yeah. representing. But I, there are certain things that that we that an interviewee really can make a big difference by going in prepared because every interviewer is going to say, well, do you have any questions? And I've been in those where it's like the person being interviewed goes, oh, I hadn't really thought about that. And, and they don't really know what to ask. And it can kind of get awkward, unfortunately for them, 
but there are also questions that can be asked that help to drive that conversation and and provide relevant information to the person being interviewed too because they're they're making a decision too yeah oh absolutely it should be a two-way interview yeah right and like you said before that interview that you were in it showed you you don't really want to work there right right Right. Um, and so I think ask whatever questions are really essential to you deciding if you want to be a part of that organization or not. And I think in one of our earlier discussions, you brought up salary and benefits, right? Um, well, fortunately now, especially, I think there are like 12, a dozen or so states, and then that expands outside into different yeah. regions who are already posting that information, yeah. right? And so that should be readily like we should be in agreement there. If you have a question about that, though, it's not, um, you know, because it's a range, for example. If you have a really specific question because, you know, you're the key breadwinner for this family and you want to make sure that you qualify for that second tier of range that's listed, right, that yeah. higher one, if that's essential to you and your decision, it's not about content, right, whether you should ask it or not. It's about how you ask it. Yes. Uh, and don't back yourself into a corner, you know, is this a make or break question for you? If you really want to stay open to the opportunity, um, don't ask a question that puts you in it. Like, I really have to make 90K. Is that going to be possible here? Right. That puts you in a yes or no spot and you could knock yourself out if that's just not the budget that right. matches your qualifications and the position that's been approved. Well, now to that point, Addy, and I don't know if this is still a common practice, but I can recall being in interviews where the inter where the you know the the interviewer said, "What are your salary requirements?" Yeah. Or seeing that on a you know on an application or or in the interview process, and that can be a tough one for the very reason you mentioned. You know, what's what's the best way for a, an applicant to respond to that without backing themselves into a corner or without sounding too cliche or vague? Yeah, I think offer a range. Um, and I think a lot of applications now are asking for a range. What are your salary expectations? Um, so if, if the range is posted on the job posting and you select a range that doesn't match what's currently posted, like that's just, don't do that. You shouldn't be applying for that position. Apply for right. something else. Um, but I would say don't back yourself in your corner. Say a range and say, I'd be really interested in hearing about the total compensation. Right. Yes. Seeing the benefits, seeing the bonus structures. I would like to see the total compensation, not just the salary that's posted. Um, so stay open to that sort of discussion and, you know, say a range of what you're open to and express your needs, you know, clearly. But, you know, add those qualifiers of, well, you know, I would like to be earning in this range. I'm open to discussion about this, especially once I learn more about the total compensation, the benefits and the bonuses that are part of it. So just yeah. stay open to that conversation. It's not about what you ask about. It's really how you ask it. I, I, I love that. My final question is really something that goes beyond the interview process. An offer has now been made. Mm -hmm. There is always this thought process about, is there anything on there I may need to negotiate or come back to? And I know the last job that I was hired for before I retired. Um, I went in, for me, a lot of it was thinking, you know, salary is probably going to be in the right range. And uh, really what the first thing that came to my mind is I've been working in this industry for X number of decades. I really don't want to go back to earning one week of vacation a year. Yeah. 
Right. And when they made the offer, the HR uh, representative said, now I'm going to tell you right up front, we don't negotiate our offers. I'm going to let you know what it is. And I'm thinking, oh, great. And it turned out that the, the, the compensation overall, including like I was starting, they were starting me at four weeks vacation a year. Plus there were additional holidays built in and personal days and stuff. And I went, well, shoot, I got nothing here to negotiate, which was great. But uh, just wondering about that negotiating process, what is what are the approach uh, you mentioned already? I mean, salary is pretty much going to be within a range. You know, if they're offering you lowball on the range and you think you're worth more than that, is that appropriate to negotiate things like vacation time, things like uh, additional benefits or sometimes maybe when those benefits kick in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can totally ask about that, you know, and have a so I would say relocation. If you're asked to ask about relocation support. Yeah. Um, if it's a really tight hiring market, ask about a, you know, a hiring bonus, um, you know, signing bonus, right? Because you're starting this out, you're switching careers midstream, you're doing this. Right. This is below my salary expectation that I have. You know, when we're talking about the salary, the reason folks say it's non-negotiable is because of internal equity. Correct. They can't give you more than what others in that position are currently right. making because that would upset the internal equity. So they have a good reason for doing that. But yeah, and I also think as as far as that vacation goes and sick leave and paid hot, I think organizations are getting with it and they're getting a little bit more proactive. A lot of them also, uh, they increase the amount of vacation you get for how many years you're there. So ask about that information because maybe it increases after your first year or maybe they grant you your vacation. That's what my uh, company just did for me. They granted me my vacation up front. So that I wasn't having it to wait for it, you know, have, wasn't having to wait for it to accrue. You so didn't there, have to, yeah. Yeah. So there are lots of things that you can ask about. Um, I think it's just being realistic and reasonable and also knowing what's offered in the market, right? You can look at Sherm to see what's an average amount of vacation that's offered or what are other rates. And if something gives you a red flag, that just might not be the organization you might want to be right. Yeah. Addie Grow, we're short on time. This has once again been a fantastic conversation. I always learn things when we talk and you you bring such a great perspective. So once again, thank you very much uh, to the folks who are making comments and asking questions in the chat. The chat will continue after the program's over and uh, Addie may be able to come back in and answer some of those, but you can continue to put your questions and your comments and your thoughts in the chat. Addie, thank you. And um, maybe we'll have another opportunity to chat about things down the road. I'd love it if that happened. You're so great, Steve. Thank you so much. Real quick, Shalane, I'm not going to ask you about any long job gaps. Right? (laughs) Just real quick, that question there. I love getting that question. Like, what do I talk about? It's like, I'm probably not going to ask about it. So you can answer it up front if you want. uh, But I'm probably not going to ask about that. Because maybe you had something really intense that you needed to go through. So that's my mindset with recruiters. I love that. Thanks, Addy. Take care. We'll talk again soon. Bye, Steve. All right. Oh, man. I'll tell you something. It's um, to say that that talking to Addy is worthwhile and and, um, is almost not sufficient. It's actually fun. You know, you don't always get to talk about job situations, recruitment situations, applying for applying for jobs, interviewing for jobs is not one of those things that you go, well, that's a, that's fun. It's typically built in with some stress and some anxiety and a variety of things. But I'll tell you something, talking to Addie about it 
makes it fun. So thanks again, Addy, for being a part of this conversation. Very quickly, let me share some things that are coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks and, and what's on tap for uh, Coffee Breaks with Steve as we get further into 2023. Next week, this, is, this one's going to be extremely interesting. Jim Caruso uh, has a, a program, a show that is in New York City in Manhattan at the iconic Birdland. And it's been there for like, this is the 20th year. And it's something that he does called Cast Party, Jim Caruso's Cast Party. It's every Monday night in New York. Plus he takes it on the road to cities across the United States and, and even in Europe. And each Monday night he has this open mic time with a, a live jazz band that includes very well-known famous celebrity artists who come up and, and sing, as well as up-and-coming unknowns who are just trying to get their start. Jim's going to join us next week. He's going to talk about Cast Party. He's going to talk about his own experience and uh, his career. And it's just going to, you're going to love it. Jim is a very engaging person and it's going to be a lot of fun. Then in two weeks, we've got uh, a couple, Brandon and, and Whitney K. Wood, who are first time, they're brand new filmmakers, documentarians who are putting together a documentary right now called To Die For that talks about some of the health hazards and dangers of synthetic dyes. They've experienced it within their own family. This documentary uh, shares information from experts as well as from other families who've had these issues. And it's not something we necessarily think about or are aware of. So I think it's going to be a, a very interesting to hear from and talk to this uh, this couple and hear what they have to say. And then just, again, what are some of the topics you'd like to discuss? Are there topics you think would be interesting to bring on Coffee Breaks with Steve? Are there guests that you would like to see us bring on, especially if you have some contact with them and can make an introduction? You can email me at cbwsteve at comcast.com. I think that actually should be comcast.net to share your ideas, but you can, you can also send those to me in private messages if you'd like. But... Uh, just uh, just want to get your input. This is your conversation as well. So once again, I want to thank uh, Addy for being here. I want to thank you all for being a part of the conversation today. This is another one that's just been, for me, a tremendous amount of fun. I hope it was fun for you. We have a, a lot going on in 2023 that I think you'll enjoy being a part of. Don't forget that our Coffee Breaks with Steve episodes are available as well on several of the podcast sites, including uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can find them there and you can let other people know that they're out there. Whew, that was a lot. All right. Thank you for being here. Have a great week. Find a way to make a difference in your world this week. God bless you.